Good day, and welcome to episode 42 of the Aaron Wayne Podcast. Do teachers have free speech? This is a 30-minute ramble on that idea, using a couple key teachers in my home state of Virginia to exemplify my point. Let me know what you think. Here we go. What's up, guys? I did 15 minutes of this podcast. Scrapped all of it. I didn't scrap all of it because I said anything crazy, but I was definitely incoherent. My wife is in the other room, and there's something about doing a podcast with someone else in the house that makes me self-conscious, and I realized I was like, I was whispering into the microphone, trying to be real cool about it. Guess what? I'm here, baby. Let's do it. I got two videos I'm going to show you guys. I've been thinking about this question and talking about this with, I know a lot of teachers, I'm a public school teacher, and my question is, and I want to hear back from you guys as well, because I want to have a conversation here. One of the tools of the podcast for me is to figure out what it is that I think in a free form, free associative manner of thinking out loud. In fact, I just interviewed um, a friend, a colleague uh, in the yoga world named Anton Mackey, and we were talking about this, about how thinking in public is useful for people. So this is me thinking in public about the question of, do teachers have free speech? So I'm going to play two videos. You'll definitely be able to hear the audio of these uh, through my iPad here, because not only did I waste 15 minutes of a podcast and scrap all of it, but I spent 30 minutes before that trying to figure out how to embed video while I'm recording. Turns out your boy couldn't figure it out because I used GarageBand and then I edit the video in Premiere. So I'm using an iPad. Maybe I'll put the video in, maybe I won't. You can YouTube these things. First video I'm going to play is a teacher in Virginia. Both of these teachers are in Virginia. And the first one is a public school teacher who was criticizing the PBIS system at that stu- at that teacher's school. Uh, based on the fact that PBIS is Positive Behavior Intervention Systems. I think that's the acronym, but it's definitely Positive Behavior Reinforcement. So using positive reinforcement on kids instead of using punishment. And he was critical of it because he, through his lens of of learning and worldview, he sees it as a form of reinforcing white supremacy. So let's play a little. So if PBIS concerns itself with positive behaviors, um, we have to ask ourselves, okay, well, what are those positive behaviors? And it's things like making sure that you're following directions and making sure that you're sitting quietly and you are in your seat and all these things that come from white culture. The idea of just sitting quiet and being told stuff and taking things in in a passive stance is not a thing that's in with many cultures. So if we're positively enforcing these behaviors, we are by extension positively enforcing elements of white culture, which therefore keeps whiteness at the center, which is the definition of white supremacy. Okay, so that clip was played by the New York Post. um, And I was hesitant to do this because um, I, I hear that this teacher is great and has compassion and love for his students and the kids love him and uh, he's doing a great job. So from from just like a academic standpoint and from a um, collegial sort of vibe around this guy, he's, he seems like a great guy and he seems like he is he's a real advocate for students. So I, I was hesitant to pull this back up because this happened a couple of weeks ago and it seems to have died down in the community 
but I think that it's worth bringing back up. Um, not, not to his, I mean, he, he's, he's doing fine as, as far as I know, I'm sure that it's emotionally taxing for the New York time or for the New York post and Fox news and the daily mail to all have reports on your TikTok video. But you know, he's put, he's putting this stuff out there. He wants, he, you know, he uh, has been at conferences. I mean, he's a, he's not only a teacher, he's a teacher who's also looking for public um, influence. And so as am I, I have a podcast, hence you're listening to it. So um, again, I was hesitant to pull this up, but I think that it addresses a larger problem or a question rather to, to really explore, which agree or disagree with the things he said, what, what role does a teacher have in bringing information to the community that they think is important? So with that, I'm going to play a second video. Uh, this one's about a minute long. This is another Virginian teacher uh, making national headlines uh, about what he thinks about gender um, and gender identity for young people. And speaking out of love for those who suffer with gender dysphoria, 60 Minutes this past Sunday interviewed over 30 young people who transitioned but they felt led astray because lack of pushback or how easy it was to make physical changes to their bodies in just three months. They are now detransitioning. It's not my intention to hurt anyone, but there are certain truths that we must face when ready. We condemn school policies like 8040 and 8035 because it will damage children, defile, defile the holy image of God. I love all of my students, but I will never lie to them regardless of the consequences. I'm a teacher, but I serve God first, and I will not affirm that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa because it's against my religion it's lying to a child it's abuse to a child and it's sinning against our god okay so i uh don't necessarily want to offer my opinions on either things that were said there um i'm obviously This is the point. This is the whole point. The fact that I'm hesitant here is the entire point of bringing this up because I don't know how much free speech teachers have. And I'm not saying this is like, a, like you know, a lot of calls for um, people in social media saying, I'm being shadow banned because I'm being edgy or I'm saying things that are controversial. I mean genuinely in a practical sense um, how teachers do have influence in their communities not only do teachers have influence in their communities but if they are any good at what they're doing they care about children and that care can look different to different teachers so you look at these two men and both of whom are virginian teachers um both of whom are clearly compassionate about their kids and they choose to approach those ideas which are tangentially associated with modern liberalism of, um, you know, being uh, more equitable for uh, racial groups as well as being equitable for uh, LGBTQ plus. And so two tangentially associated issues that have one side saying one thing, the other side saying another thing. And they're not, you know, it's, it's apples and oranges, but they're both fruit. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's close enough of a comparison. Um, and I think that the thing I find interesting here is one of those teachers was put on leave and the other one was not. And one teacher had to fight his, for his job in court and the other one did not. 
that's an interesting observation to make. Now, yes, that probably has to do with the different districts and it's not, it's not a education though. It seems like it is not a monolith and different, different school boards will make different decisions. Different principals will make different decisions. Different communities will call for different outcomes. And, um, so I can't speak to that specifically and expect one thing in a district that's 300 miles away from mine to do the exact same thing. Um, as, as the school district that I'm in. But what I do expect is for clarity on whether teachers do have the freedom to express themselves, be it controversial, be it mundane. What is it that we are and are not allowed to say? Because teachers do fill a very unique role within the world. Socrates was put to death for the way that he was educating the youth. They made him drink hemlock. Um, and I'm not comparing me or those two men to Socrates, but I think that the idea holds true, which is Socrates was put to death because he had people questioning the religion of, of the time. And what we need to do is figure out what the religion of today is. And it seems like we have two competing religions, which is not religions in a literal sense of like, people's metaphysical faith in how the universe works, but the religiosity we see in political opinions, which what even is a political opinion anymore? Like how is, I don't think I have a clear definition of what politics means anything and or what it means anymore because I don't see how, <coughs> I don't see how everything's become political and, um, when we have these two competing religions, what we have is these ideas that are so foundational to what people believe that if you were to say something that d disagrees with it, it is immediately controversial. Instead of having debates and realizing that the other person is acting in good faith, they just have a different set of foundations that lead them to their conclusions. Both of these teachers and me care deeply about young people and how they will be able to live fulfilled lives because we ain't in it in for the money. You know what I mean? We're not here for the money. We care about positive outcomes for young people because it's a good for the young people. B it gives us a sense of value and that our work is actually bearing fruit and C ultimately if we can educate the youth in a meaningful way, we will have a better society. People talk a lot about how teachers are underappreciated and underpaid, but then as soon as they say something that people disagree with, they go for their job immediately. Whether it's people who disagree with this teacher in Loudoun County um, saying that um, identifying gender dysphoria as a disorder that um, shouldn't be shouldn't be it should be treated not. Um, acknowledged I think that would be fair to what it is that he was saying instead of um, allowing kids to transition um, and use their preferred gender pronouns he he would probably say that this is a disordered mode of thinking and that we need to get these kids help um, and then the other teacher uh, in my district who uh, was talking about white supremacy in the positive behavior intervention system um, he's he's saying that white supremacy pervades the educational institution. And so both of those 
if a community disagrees with them, what role does the community have in making sure that their kids are being educated by teachers that reaffirm their beliefs? And what role do educators have in challenging norms and beliefs? And what role do they have in, you know, conserving those beliefs? And I don't know what the answer to that is because teachers do have a large amount of influence on their students. If I were to go into my classroom and tell my kids to vote for a political candidate and make a convincing argument, I could probably convince a lot of them to do that. And that would be highly unethical. But if I were to display the, the crazy thing about the political world is that you can, and this is a bad, this is a very bad, bad thing. You can know one thing or two things about someone's political stances on key issues, be it gun control, um, reproductive issues, um, climate change, whatever it is, right? Voting, immigration, pick your favorite. If you understand where a person stands on one or two of those things, you could predict with 70% accuracy how they feel about the remaining um, hot-button topics in America, and that's a bad thing. It's a really bad thing because if we share even the smallest thing with our students, they can easily make assumptions about what our political leanings are. And if they assume what our political leanings are and they like us, they may very well vote in the way that they, or at least build their worldview. My students are too young to vote, but they may build their worldview around what, oh, you know, my cool eighth grade English teacher, he thinks blah, 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 blah. And I like him. He's a role model. No big deal. No big deal. Your boy's a role model. But do you see what I'm saying? I think you do. I don't think I need to explain it further. It's very easy to influence young people. And some of the, I got into this on Twitter with people because um, I want to know. I don't know what the answer is. So I'm trying to, to have dialogue with people on Twitter, uh, especially when the, uh, specifically when this came out because it was in my district, you know, and I've heard good things about this guy. I've heard good things about this guy prior to this blowing up in the media. And so mixing up with people on Twitter, I asked these questions and then they said, there's nothing wrong with a teacher. And of course these are just random people on Twitter. These aren't, you know, but they're still like their, their insights are useful. They're fruitful. Um, they said, people were saying, uh, you know, it's not really necessarily about what a teacher says in their free time. It's what they teach in the classroom. But if you were to take, take, take the, the, the second issue with the, um, idea of, um, acknowledging or not acknowledging, um, gender identity or gender dysphoria, depending on what side of this you're on, you're going to have your own language. Just accept that I'm using language. If a teacher thinks that it is a good idea to use a child's preferred gender pronouns, which is from the Virginia, Virginia, it's 8.30 at night because I didn't record my podcast earlier. I was mentoring somebody. I don't even know if I said that in the previous podcast, but I'm mentoring a young teacher who's just starting out in my previous school district. So I didn't get to record my podcast this afternoon. So that's why I'm rambling a little bit. Back to the matter at hand. If a teacher thinks that it is, or uh, if a teacher thinks that it is appropriate to use a student's preferred gender pronouns, 
that is something that could be construed in this world as a political statement. And doesn't that seem weird? Doesn't that seem strange? And if a, if a teacher were to if a teacher were to think for whatever reason, possibly for their own personal religious reasons, that they don't choose to recognize a student's gender, preferred gender pronouns, does that teacher not have the right to follow what their religious faith is? And so, again, that's a political act. And so the fact that these things in our culture have become politicized puts teachers in a position where they really don't have a foot to stand on. And it's another one of these unfortunate realities of being a public school teacher. You know, last year during when, when the pandemic first hit and all the parents were home with their kids and they realized how hard it is to teach two kids at once, And then they reflected on the fact that I have 30 kids in my classrooms and I teach 110 a day. They were sending emails like, thank you. Oh my goodness. I don't know how you do it. As soon as they come back to school, you know, and they realize that their kids are expected to, you know, not spread the bug. They got fired up and they're like, these teachers, they just want more time off. Even this conversation that I'm having with you now is a political act. Why is everything a political act? George Orwell wrote in Politics in the English Language, he said, everything is a political act. Even the choice to not participate in politics is a political act in of itself. And in a culture where everything is so... It's like everything is electrified when it comes to these decisions and conversations because people think they know the right answer and they think the other person is evil. You think that teacher who is trying to be equitable towards um, non-white students is hateful? You think he's trying to destroy people's lives? You think that teacher who says that he doesn't want, he, he chooses not to recognize non-binary or trans kids. You think he's evil? Look at the video. You can see both of those men. They, they care. And so what is the issue that people are willing to really like put it on the line for? That one teacher, um, the, the white supremacist, um, commentary he he was posting this on TikTok and apparently he has many more on TikTok about different issues that are in that suite of modern uh, progressive ideas and the other guy went in front of the school board so both of these people are doing this in a very public setting because they care about these issues and the reason they care about is these issues is because they care about young people and they care about positive outcomes for them. And they're find, they're trying to find the right path to do so. But do they have free speech? Are they free to say these things? What other career 
Do people not have free speech? I feel, if you were to think really about this, most people understand that if they speak too freely in public that they could potentially lose their jobs. Isn't that true? Think of some of the podcasts you listen to that aren't this one. Think about the the crazy ones. You know what I'm talking about. The ones where, you know, they're making crazy jokes and they're profane and, you know, and it's fun. Think of stand-up comedians. Think of your favorite stand-up comedian. You think you could do that and keep your job? Nope. Is that freedom? Does freedom matter? I don't know, man. What I do know is that I think public school teachers are in a unique position when compared to people that work corporate jobs because if you say something crazy in public, not even crazy, I don't know, maybe it's crazy. Think about saying either of these things. Think about saying either of these things that these two men said that I played the clips of in your job. Is it likely you would have gotten fired? I don't think you would have. These men didn't. The one guy got put on leave. Probably had to burn his own sick days for that. Because that's how the public school system works. You got to burn your own sick days, man. Teachers are in a unique position in this regard. On this front, teachers have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to educate the youth. But who gets to decide what gets educated? And how much of a role does a teacher have in using their professional judgment and their compassion towards humans to do so? Because if you're teaching civics and you don't talk about the fact that black people couldn't vote for most of this country's lifespan, that's a gap. If you're teaching literature and you don't talk talk about how people are uncomfortable with the norms that society has foisted upon them, that's where a lot of good art comes from. It's a gap. And so what can we teach kids? And are we just going to listen to the departments of ed? Because the departments of ed are politicians. They're not teachers. Not anymore. They probably were. The people that work and make these decisions on what ends up in curriculum. Do we just follow them? That's how we keep our jobs. If you've noticed anything in this podcast, what I'd like for you to notice is that it is okay to not know the right answer. And the more often that we admit that we don't know, but that we're trying, then people will give us the grace to say what we think. Hopefully. What if I got fired for this podcast? (laughs) Just this one. Just this specific one. Watch. One of the things I like about podcasts is that you can take your time with it. You don't have to cram it into a 15-second TikTok video, and you don't have 90 seconds at a school board meeting. 
You don't have to be that concise. You can take the time to flesh out an idea. Who says flush out ideas? What a terrible saying. People say that. It's a thing. People say flush out ideas. It's ridiculous. Failure of the public education system. So much can be laid at the feet of the public education system because we have failed to do so many things. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I think education is right for a revolution. And I don't think it starts... Here's something that could be controversial. Controversial warning. Do I dare? <laughs> I'm a person who cares very deeply about the experiences of individuals and how their identities in the world might not be fully acknowledged by the systems they inhabit. There it is. I do feel that. But I think the education revolution isn't going to start there. You know, when people were tearing down statues during the BLM protests uh, over the last several years, people were tearing down statues, scraping names off of placards, and I had a good friend who is very thoughtful on these matters. And he's, I think he's my smartest friend. Do you have one of those? Do you have a friend who like, you're like, you, you, you hang out with them and you learn something every time and you feel kind of stupid when you're talking to them. That's this guy for me. Um, shouts out to my boy, Logan, but he taught me something. And what he taught me was, you know, tearing down these statues is a symbol and it's a distraction from the real problem. The real problem is generational wealth in the black community. The real problem is disproportionate healthcare outcomes in the black community versus the white community. And tearing down a statue makes people feel better, makes white people feel like they're doing something important. And let's be honest, the education system is mostly white people. And so a lot of these moves seem to be distracting from the real problems. The real problems are that teachers don't have the autonomy to teach students what they think is best. And the reason teachers don't have the autonomy to teach students, not that what they think is best, that's not what I mean. I'm not talking about like changing the curriculum. What I meant to say was in the way they think they should teach them. A lot of the professional judgment for public school teachers is taken out. And the reason I hypothesize that that professional judgment is removed from a teacher is because there are a lot of teachers who should not have become teachers. Controversial opinion. There it is. And the world is changing so quickly that if we don't have enough teachers who understand the world before Instagram and understand that the kids have already moved past Instagram and they're on TikTok and Snap. If we don't have teachers that speak internet and speak standard human, which might be a conversation for another podcast, the distinction between the two, then the kids are going to continue to follow behind, fall behind. We need an education revolution and it doesn't start 
with equity. Equity will be a byproduct of the proper revolution that needs to happen, which is a complete restructuring of the incentive system within education. Why can't I negotiate my own contract? Why is that not allowed? I'll tell you why. It's not allowed because if I negotiate my own contract, people figure out that I get paid more than them, they'll be curious why, and they will go try to negotiate their contract. And then it's a potential that they don't get paid as much as I do because I negotiated my contract and validated my worth. Why can't I negotiate my own contract? We need more leaders. We need qualified educators. And then to say that these issues will take care of themselves is not necessarily true. Because yes, we do need to make sure that kids see the experience of other people's and see their experience echoed as well. Mirrors and windows is what I teach in literature. A window to look through to someone else's experience and a mirror to be able to see yourself in the curriculum. It's important. It's very important. It's empowering and it's also empathizing. Do we need to make accommodations for people? so that they feel comfortable and accepted. Yeah. We need to do those things. But the real revolution is under the root of that. My video cut out as soon as I made that point. So maybe I just wrap the podcast here. It's 8.45. My wife's already had dinner. I haven't eaten yet. I'll tell you what. I'm going to need to listen back to this one. See if I said anything stupid. Because that's the whole point. Do I have free speech? As a public-facing individual. There it is. Camera shut off. As a public-facing individual who has influence over the youth of my county. Do I have free speech? Well, if these guys didn't get fired, they said things way more controversial than what I said. I'm posting it. Put it in print. There it is, guys. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Hit me up with your thoughts on this. I am always willing to learn. Help me find the gaps in my thinking. I want to know. I don't want to be wrong for longer than I need to be. So tell me where I got this wrong. Tell me where I got it right. Instagram at Aaron Wing Yoga. Email hello at AaronWingYoga.com. Check out the website. Got a lot of good podcasts coming down the pipe. Or is it Pike? Flush it out, flush it out. Down the pipe, down the pike. I don't know. Got some good ones coming up. Editing them. Anton Mackey's coming up. Justin Trawick and his uh, partner Josh are coming up. So stay tuned and I'll see you guys on the next one.